Hey, friend. Welcome to Houston Made, the show where I, Rusty Gates, get to talk with local Houston-based entrepreneurs and business owners about what it's like to be in the middle of that journey and selfishly gain insights as I build my own business. In this episode, I got to sit down with my new friend, Terry Williams, more commonly known as Terry the Trainer. Terry is a successful business leader who runs and owns a local gym called The League. He runs a mindset and culture coaching business called Ember and Stoke. And on top of all that, he has a true heart for people that shows in everything he does, including his ministry work. As you'll hear very quickly, he has an incredible optimism and energy that just brings out the best in those around him, which is absolutely responsible in no small part for his success. While I think all of these episodes are great for people who are looking to get into entrepreneurship and business ownership themselves, this conversation is one that I think will be encouraging regardless of your ambitions. So listen in as Terry and I discuss how he found his passion outside of the classroom, the value of community over competition, and how we manage bad days and depression as extroverted optimists. Terry, the trainer. Man, I am so excited to have you on as a guest of Houston Made. Um, we were connected through a good friend of mine, Sarah Robbins. I hope to have her husband on. I think Sarah sh- could kill it in the small business entrepreneur world if she ever wanted to, but uh, so grateful to them for connecting us. Part of the reason why I'm excited is because you, like me, do a little bit of everything. I think you're doing it at a higher level than I am. So again, excited just to learn from you, but uh, you do coaching, you have a gym at the league, uh, you do life coaching, professional coaching, and then on top of that, you've got ministry work, and I think that I'm just scratching the surface. So Terry, the trainer, unpack for me what that means and what you do here in Houston. Yeah, totally. Man, thanks so much for having me on. And that's a, that's super honoring of you to say that you feel like I do it at a higher level. I see us as peers, and I'm just super grateful to be on a journey that kind of mirrors yours. And I think that uh, there's so much we can both learn from each other in so many ways that we can enhance each other's growth. And I'm excited about uh, what's to come for me and for you as well. Uh, so Terry, the trainer, this whole the trainer <laughs> thing came from fitness, and that's where I got my start. So um, if you don't mind a little bit of a long answer, I'll yeah, just kind of let's go for my it. story. Yeah. So I was uh, I went to college and I studied communications because my dad and my stepdad both studied communications and I had no idea at all what I wanted to do with my life when I was in high school. Yeah. I'm pretty good on my grades, had a solid GPA, was a kid that would work hard. I loved learning, but I had all these big questions like what are we really learning in school? I was definitely a kid that wanted to, you know, learn about like investing and starting stuff and making it grow. And I just kind of thought algebra is silly, but okay, I'll do it. And I'll make an A and mom and dad will be proud. And like, I don't know what comes next. Frick. So go to college, totally just study what uh, my um, predecessors had studied and got into communications. I was uh, a film school kid to be more specific at UT. Uh, I was in the RTF program, radio, television, and film. Um, Enjoyed it. But like, my sophomore year in the middle of a midterm exam, I'm just like, what am I doing? This ain't what I want to do. Like, yeah. I enjoy learning this stuff, but man, I, this is yet another thing in my life. Like everything had been up to that point where it's like, whatever mom and dad say, sure. Sounds like a good idea. I hadn't thought for myself. Yeah. You know? Was there so, like a question on that midterm? Like, I'm just curious, like, is there a moment? <laughs> like, do you know what it was that you're like, I'm out. Like this is, I'm done. 
I don't know. I think it was just more of like a realization of like everybody else in this room mm. is taking this seriously because it affects their future. And I'm having big questions, like major yeah. existential questions about what my future even is. And I have no idea if this is pertinent to that future. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, I felt like I didn't fit in. I felt curious. I felt like I wanted to jump ship. Talked to a great academic advisor at UT that was basically like, whoa, whoa, kid, don't change your major because you're going to be stuck here forever. You're just going to continue paying tuition and put in extra years. And you need more prerequisites to enter a different you know, school within the university. And he said, I challenge you to finish what you started and that buys you time to discover what you really want to do. And then go get a master's degree in that, like get more education and make that match the field you want to enter. So I'm like, okay, sure. So I continued with communications. I was a gym rat all the way through college, Yeah, uh, but we're not talking like actual fitness, like sleeping (laughs) enough and doing cardio (laughs) and eating clean. This was just like, bench press and heavy squat. And I would hang out with the athletes and I'd, mm-hmm. um, I'd do like some off season workouts with the athletes and they would pay me by just swiping a meal card in the dorms. And that was good enough for me at the time. Uh, and then I kind of got inspired to get certified, uh, in fitness and like really actually legitimately doing it a bit. And then I remember in 08 sitting at home right after I graduated in the middle of a terrible recession. Yeah. Uh, and I was applying to bogus corporate jobs that have absolutely nothing to do with my passion or purpose because it was yet another piece of like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. The plan, the pre-prescribed, like, this is what we're going to do. One, two, three. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm, I'm at home. I'm on my dad's couch. I'm watching the summer Olympics in 08. And one of the athletes that I had done a little bit of work with wins a gold medal on the TV and before my very eyes, I'm seeing something that I had poured into a little bit doing something world-class. And now I won't take credit. I mean, this was an athlete on an incredible team with great coaches. I just happened to enjoy. You got to be a part of it. Yeah. I got to be a small piece of something big. And it challenged me. It was like, why am I interviewing with companies? I have nothing to give and no real passion for as like a next step in my process kind of thing. Mm-hmm. When what I'm seeing here is a reflection of what I'm good at, something that brings impact and something that's good for other people, right? Like how many people around the world were inspired in that moment? They saw a gold medal being won and it's like, whoa, I got to be a piece of that. That's crazy, yeah. right? Uh, and so I just really started to realize that, um, and I'd always had a heart for people and this was like a challenge for me, right? This was like, if you have a heart for people and you want to help people and you don't know how let life talk back to you about what your purpose is and how you can pour into people. And this was it for me. It was like, you know what? I love helping people to optimize their fitness, to go harder when they feel like quitting. I like to call out the greatness that I see in other people that they maybe don't see in themselves. I like to see their life level up because of it. And so that poured right into this whole fitness journey, went, uh, followed the advice of that academic advisor, got a master's degree in health and human performance, um, started doing strength and conditioning coaching. Uh, I would do personal training at a gym during the day, then like hop around town in the evening hours and like teach spin and kickboxing and, uh, 
any kind of boot camp you could imagine. Yeah. This was like not yet married, no kids. I was just hustling. I was all over town, yeah. just burning myself out like crazy, burning the candle from both ends, but I was passionate and I was like, I'm making people better. And this is awesome. Right. Uh, fast forward, uh, my wife and I, my then girlfriend, we get serious. Uh, we start talking engagement, marriage. Now she is brilliant on the business side of things. Mm-hmm. So I'm all fitness. She's all business. Uh, I had dreamed of one day starting a gym. I figured, oh, that's probably 10 years out. I don't know enough. Excel spreadsheets don't excite me. I could never track inventory or uphold constant communication with an attorney and an accountant. Like I just know how to write great programming and whether somebody is an elite NFL performer or a top UFC contender or an average Joe that wants to lose 10 pounds for the summer. Like I know I can get in their world and I can activate something and I can see greatness come out of it. Yeah. So uh, my wife had uh, taken a job on Wall Street doing investment banking. A couple years into it, she's like, I love it. I appreciate it, but I'm not fulfilled. I wake up and I help a bank make more money. I'm out. I want to do small business because I want to have real impact inside of one like neighborhood for like people I know. Yeah. And so we kind of came together with my fitness background, her business background, and created a fitness business. So it was kind of this dream team sort of scenario at play and we got our gym going and we got to coach people in that regard. I love how when you were introduced and you were like, you're a coach and it looks like this and that and the other. And it's like, where's the trainer coming from? Sure. The trainer piece was from coaching in the gym, doing fitness. A few years into it, I felt a really strong call to ministry. And just right after I began to feel that for myself, some of the pastoral leaders in my life were like calling me out. Like, you know yeah. what? We think that you have leadership on you. We think there's something in you that needs to be poured into other people and take some time, talk to your wife about it, think on it, pray on it. If it's not for you, cool. Nothing is forced. But if it is, even if you're busy running a gym, like we'll create space for you Mm -hmm. here at our church because we just believe in you like that. We think you could be a dynamic leader. My mind was blown, took the time to think on it, pray on it, chatted over with my wife, ultimately landed in a place of peace. Like, wow, this is crazy. This is what we're doing in the gym for people's physical body. I get to now do for people's spiritual walk and pour into them, challenge them, inspire them, encourage them. Uh, There's a place for correction and there's a place for um, also just, um, just speaking life into people and making them feel like a million bucks and seeing people live better because of it. Um, And then I got into mindset coaching uh, just kind of a, along those same lines, like, man, what if we really took care of our bodies, our minds and our spirits? Like how much better would the human experience be? And so I've kind of started to coach in all of those domains. And uh, I almost moved away from this, the trainer moniker that's attached sure. to my name. And then I thought about it and I was like, no, I'm not doing that. The trainer doesn't have to be and never has been about the gym. The trainer is a reflection of every piece of life in which I get to coach and journey with people. And yeah. so my, my core value that I lean into in all of this and the common thread between everything I do is simply love people well. What I will do is pour into other people and I consider the value of my life to be directly correlated with the amount of value that I pour into the lives of others that positively in, impacts them. So it's just this whole thing of leaving people better than you found them. And yeah. uh, my hope and most earnest prayer is that anybody who's known Terry comes away from that with a better understanding of how great they are. Yeah, man. 
what an uplifting and encouraging perspective. It is uh, wonderful to hear your journey and feeling like you don't fit, feeling like you're stuck, feeling like you're on this pre-prescribed path of, yeah, you go do this, go do this, get the job, and then you do that until you die, and that is what it is, which is a really bleak perspective on Mm -hmm. life and purpose and whatever. And um, I think like you, I'm drawn towards the things that excite me. that, That feels like a human thing. But uh, I know that I even uh, I, we talk a fair amount on this show about the fact that I'm an Enneagram seven. I don't know if you're familiar with the thing. Yeah. So like, oh, I love Enneagram. That's a big conversation in this household. Yeah, man. And, <laughs> and knowing those motivations. But yeah, I, I know I'm drawn towards joy and pleasure and excitement. And yeah. uh, and that's a gift. It can there are downsides. There's there's a flip side to that coin where I can be impulsive, <laughs> which many of my friends would say, yeah, that sounds right. Uh, and yet being able to harness that for good and for others and say, well, this is how I'm wired. I'm going to take that. It sounds like you have some of that in you, a lot of, a lot of energy, a lot of passion. Um, so, okay, let's break down like the logistics of all of that. You've got got the gym, you've got mindset coaching, you've got, uh, ministry work. Uh, there's like trying to track all of it, but you've got all these different things. Yeah. What does that look like on a week to week basis? I mean, how many clients are you managing there? I'm I'm certain you have to be delegating some of that stuff somewhere. Yeah, for sure. So uh, basically, I'm actually in a season right now of of revisiting everything and saying, how do I slow things down a bit? You know, mm-hmm. my wife and I have three kids now. Um, I am very much a family man. Like, I mean, I love what I do for a living, but I like really love cuddling my kids. And that's more important to me than all of it. And so people seek balance in life. And I think balance is a myth. Mm -hmm. I think balance is a cute idea, like the Easter bunny or Santa Claus, you know, and you look forward to it, but then it doesn't actually come, but you got fulfillment from another source anyway. And you gave it credit to that thing, you know, the same way that Santa ain't coming down the chimney, but gifts will surely land under the tree. My life will never have balance but I will find fulfillment and I'll be fully present for my family. So the way I look at that is rhythm instead of balance. I pursue life in rhythm. So the way that looks for me is I don't weigh equally the work I do and the people I do it for. For me, family is so much heavier. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that what rhythm gives me is license and freedom to spend more time with my family and let that inform how I show up when it's time to work. Mm -hmm. I can do ministry so much better if I know that I've been a great family man at home, um, I'm learning to um, apologize with more sincerity to my wife, be vulnerable with my kids, not just be this authoritative hand, heavy hand of a dad, but be a dad that'd be like, man, I get it. That upsets you. Let's talk about that. Right. Mm-hmm. And it helps me to be a better coach in the gym when uh, I know that I'm not like totally just skipping out on my family. I'm spending the, the requisite amount of uh, quality time there. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel good. I feel like I'm attached to my core values and yeah. I'm in integrity with uh, my best and most authentic self. Um, I think that when it comes to coaching in these different domains, there is delegation. As you mentioned, some stuff gets um, delegated to others. Yeah. And then there's also this big notion of grace, right? So coming into ministry, um, I mean, 
have a rare scenario that I'm very grateful for where leadership in the organization I do ministry with is like, Hey, we get it that you're busy and we actually want you because you're busy. Like we don't want somebody who has a ton of time on their hands. Yeah. We'd really rather have somebody we believe in for leadership and we'll challenge you. We'll push you a bit. We'll let you know when like, Hey, this is all hands on deck moment. You need to be here, but we're also not going to bug you about being here nine to five every day, Monday through Friday, go do your thing, go be great in the community, but be a piece of our team. Right. And so that affords me um, flexibility like none other Um, with the gym. It used to be when we first started it off, I coached every class. My wife was at the front desk all day. We were there from 5 a.m. open to 8 p.m. close. We've changed that. We've grown our team. We've delegated. It's beautiful for everybody. So uh, my wife and I get to work on the gym instead of in the gym. So the gym can actually live long-term and be great and survive things like COVID shutdowns because we're not stuck just like working the classes. We're able to work things and hire the right people, make better decisions, that kind of deal. Um, So now, I mean, I coach um, a little bit each week, but I'm not up there a ton. Mm -hmm. Um, and then when it comes to mindset work, man, it's so fun. That's the piece that's kind of growing, right? Yeah. Whereas with the gym, we're shifting. We just announced that we're going franchise route. Uh, that announcement came last week. I'm so glad so, we're able to go down the, man. The, yeah. the cats out the bag. But now the focus is not how many classes can I coach? It's how can we find the right people to reproduce like this known institution of life change in mm-hmm. Houston, Texas. We can use this same model. We can plant it in other places around the country. And I can know with full integrity that it's being led well by the right people. And I can train the trainers and the trainers train the people. Right. Um, And then with ministry as well, it's kind of like it's in a smooth place. It's not like growing. I'm not having new responsibility thrown at me at the moment. And it's also not shrinking. I'm still relied upon and still engaged. But with mindset coaching, that's that piece that's like elevating right now. So uh, some buds and I, we started Ember and Stoke. It is a mindset and culture coaching firm. And uh, I don't know, I just feel so blessed. Like we're, we're working with some great organizations that I did not have the wherewithal to get in contact with or to even get a Zoom meeting with. And then now we're in here like coaching these guys. It's like crazy. It's mind blowing for me. Yeah, uh, I see it as a total blessing. Uh, it's also the area that I, I feel like I'm uh, most passionate about right now and just super excited to lean into more. Yeah, man. I, I, I love that. I, let me let me ask this. How long were you guys working every class and working at the front desk? How long was that season before y'all were able to finally like <laughs> start passing it on? Right. Because I think people hear your story. Yeah. I mean, we're always going to glamorize these stories. I think when people hear these things, it's easy to be like, well, you know, it took 10 years. And we, we kind of gloss over that in our memories of like, mm-hmm. well, Terry, you know, he was in college and now he owns a gym and he's doing X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, you're skipping over a lot of late nights, oh, yeah. some tense conversations, oh, yeah. <laughs> some financial struggles. Uh, so how long were y'all in that period of like, just grind it out and build the thing? Man, definitely the first couple of years, I'd say about two years that we were doing absolutely everything. Then when yeah. we finally were able to delegate, because a piece of it is like, can you handle somebody else holding your baby, right? Like, mm-hmm. can you handle like getting it off your hands and um, allowing somebody else into your process? But then another piece of it, like you alluded to, is like the finances. Like, we can't afford to hire anybody. Like, we, we're trying to keep the doors open. Yeah. In the early days of it, it's like you're inside out. You're just trying to become cash flow positive. Um, 
But when we finally did get to add some people to the team, it was little pieces here and there. It wasn't overnight that it was like, we're all in to like, oh, everybody else is, you know, they've stepped up big time. It was like a gradual process. So I'd say like the first two years we had to be there nonstop. Yeah. And then for another like years, it was kind of like, we're still pretty like, um, hands-on overwhelmed. I think is a good <laughs> word for it. Sure. Like not just hands-on, but yeah, like, it was still it, stressful. Yeah. Oh, it was very, very stressful. And you're always going to have things that are stressful in entrepreneurship, yeah. but that was a uniquely stressful season mm-hmm. where we were just very heavily relied upon just to keep a thing alive. Now we're blessed yeah. to now see it be something that, you know, Houston has embraced over time and feels good. Um, we have a, an incredible staff. We trust and love them. Things are going well. Um, but yeah, it took years to get there for sure. Well, it, it, it speaks to your, uh, your kind of your philosophy of, of rhythms versus balance. I think built into the rhythms conversation is this natural appreciation for seasons that things come and go. There are seasons where it's, Hey, we're going to grind it out. Like that's, this is going to be a tough month or a tough six months or whatever it is. And that is, we just, we just know that. And we know that there are good days ahead, God willing. And it allows you the permission to say, okay, this might be hard for a while. And yeah. again, cause I'm not doing balance, right? It's not about the fact that, well, like at every step of the process, it's got to be even keeled and to the, to a workout analogy, right? Like again, if you're just power walking forever, <laughs> you're, you're power walk for 150 miles, but like, you're never going to get jacked. Like, that's just not how it works. Like you got to yeah. like lift some stuff. You got to move oh, yeah. some weight and there are going to be seasons, in, but you can't do that all day, every day. Yeah. Maybe seasons of rest. And when it comes to the family stuff, I don't believe, and I think I assume he grew this, but I don't believe that you have to be, have kids to live a happy, fulfilled life. I don't think you have yeah. to be married to have a happy, fulfilled life. Um, and, and I don't prescribe that for everybody. I think that plenty of people don't need that. And especially if you're going to be an entrepreneur again, more time, there are some pros and cons to that. Uh, but for me, I have found that I too am happier and healthier the more engaged with my family that I am. Um, And having kids, incredibly demanding. um, But I also choose to give myself to those demands pretty, pretty easily. I Like, they might not even be demands. They're like gentle requests. Like, hey, dad, will you come like sit on the couch with me? Like, yes, absolutely. I will not answer these emails for another hour if it, yeah, you want to go watch (laughs) Paw Patrol? Let's go. Let's do it right now. Yeah. Uh, And that's that's a priority choice that I've made. I, I understand that I probably could have more money in my bank account and my businesses could be further along. Um, but I think that they would, they would lose something inherent to them because I would be losing something inherent to me, which is this need to, to be plugged in, to be a part of something. As you said, I, I mean, I think that idea of being a small part of something bigger, like that's just this thing we're all hardwired for, which is why I think Houston has jumped on board the Terry, the trainer train. And right, because we all we want we want to be a part of stuff. We want to be a part of tribes and communities. We also want to see other people win because I, I see that with people who are following me, like on Instagram, where it's like, yeah, there's an like an audience or whatever people just come just keeping an eye, but there are people that are like rooting for me. Yeah. Like love the show, which even when it's okay at best. And but I think a part of that's because we all want to be on it. I support people I follow because like I'm rooting for them. Um, there's a guy, this is a shout out. I don't know if he listens to this, but this shout out. There's a guy 
um, call he called his moniker online is Unaverage Joe, and he's like up in the Pacific Northwest. He's a fitness trainer like yourself, and he does um, Thirsty Thursday energy drink reviews, and he has consistently done this for. I mean, like a year, maybe more. I mean, like it's so many, like it's a lot. And he goes on there and he gets in and he, he, he cracks it open and he looks at the color and he swirls around in a wine glass. And he just, he talks about what chemicals are in it and who this might be like tailored for and what the like physical experience of it's like, it's like a five to 10 minute thing that he does for these energy drinks. That's mad. Fascinating. I am. And I, and like, he doesn't have this massive following. I think he will one day, but I am like in his corner like i love this guy and i a part of this because i see something in him that i go like that's greatness like what you're doing is greatness i I don't know if it'll be appreciated in its time i hope that it is but i see something great in you and i just i'm gonna keep commenting and liking so that when you're at like at the top i'd be like i got i knew i i got to like that stuff back in the day you weren't even there and i i saw it so i think that uh that community piece, that buying into something bigger, being a part of something bigger is a really big deal. And it, it leads me to um, just kind of the way that you talk about what you're building. And I'd, I'd be interested in more of where this comes from. Uh, but this idea of kind of community, one of the things that Luke Bronner, who he's kind of the shepherd of this neighborhood of podcasts. And he would say this is that I love Luke, by the way. Oh, this no is to interrupt you, but I got to honor that man. That's, yeah. that's the note right there. This is, this is what I'm talking about. Houston is that Houston's this massive city. It's massive, right? It's like one of the biggest cities in the country Yeah, and everyone knows everyone. Oh yeah. Right. But Luke would say that when he started out and this, it's a, like a pre-roll that runs on these episodes from time to time where he's like, when I started out, I told people that I was building a, a podcasting empire. And it was a way of saying that he was doing this seriously and people should take what he's doing seriously. But then as he got further into it, he let that go and said, I'm not building an empire. I'm building a neighborhood because this is about relationships and communities. And so we at Milieu Media are a neighborhood of podcasts and storytellers. And in our neighborhood, we appreciate and uh, share our stories with one another because we believe that that's a core value. But talk to me about that. I mean, it seems like it runs through everything that you do, the community aspect, the neighborhood aspect of the league and mindset training and all of it. Yeah. So um, something that really stands out to me as kind of a mantra is community over competition. Mm -hmm. Um, We had when Hurricane Harvey hit, we had a gym that was really close to ours. It's like, I mean, less than a mile away. They were flooded out with over two feet of water inside of their facility. Uh, we had no water in our, in our gym. And I think it had a lot to do with just the way that, you know, I guess their parking lot slopes or whatever the case may be, yeah. same zip code. And somehow they got flooded. So my family was out of town when Harvey hit. Uh, these folks that run that gym reached out to us and they were like, hey, We have water in our gym. The streets are undrivable. But as soon as the rain stops, we're going to get on bikes, drive over to your gym and just check on it and make sure everything's okay. I was blown away. Right. You're technically in competition because you're in the same space uh, geographically and in the same space industry wise. You you know, you've got the same clients. You're kind of like in the same pool for there can be some contention there. You know who wins out of this and these people were so incredibly generous that they're like, you know, even though we can't get in our cars because the roads are flooded, we will ride bikes to go check on your gym. 
So we got the good news that our gym was fine. We respond to that by giving them good news. Hey, if you need us to come and put together a cleanup effort for your gym and get the water out of it, restore equipment, or even, you know, uproot your processes and like bring everything to our gym, we will house your classes for you. So your clients don't miss a single workout, right? Like there was this community thing that was so much bigger than competition. And it reminds me of a quote from Bill Russell. Um, so Bill Russell is the greatest NBA champion of all time. He won 11 rings as a player. Okay. Now for context, Michael Jordan won six, Kobe won five. This guy won six plus five, 11 yeah. rings. That's not to say he's the greatest player of all time. That's no. a big debate. People get their feelings hurt. Right? He's the greatest player of all time, greatest champion of all time. Mm-hmm. The guy with the most rings. He said this, I became the winningest of all time by never once focusing on competition. He said that he would root for the opposing team. If the opponent was playing well, he would genuinely enjoy that experience. And from the place of having a heightened experience, his best performance is what naturally would come forth. And I love that. I think that community is amazing. He was in a state of community with the other team. So if they were blowing them out by uh, 20 points and he's losing bad, He's literally dapping up and congratulating the other team and they're taking it as sarcasm, but he's like genuinely like, no, bro, I'm a fan. Like let's swap jerseys after the game. So then when he goes off and does what the goats do and wins this come from behind game, now he's again like, Hey bro, about that Jersey swap. And they're pissed. They're like, man, get out of my face. Yeah. I want to, I want to go and uh, handle this, cursing out I'm going to have done to me in the locker room and then just like go home and sleep this off. This has been terrible, but he genuinely with excitement loved to see other people win. There's something in that about being thrilled for and not threatened by the people in our world. Um, And I think that community is the cornerstone of all of this. If we value community over competition, you can't find a single person who's not your neighbor who's not your brother or sister, who's not worthy of um, the decency of respect and common dignity. And then when we love people well, naturally the best pieces of us is what shows up. And that's how we win in life. I think that if we are willing to um, convey the visual of weakness, we can carry the virtue of strength. Mm. Meaning we got to be the big dog, the head honcho, walk around flexing, got to show how strong we are. Ultimately we lose, man. Yeah. You know, it's like the more generous you are, the more wealthy you grow. Yeah. And the more stingy you are, the more likely you are to lose it all, you know, and, and don't credit me for that. It's not a wisdom thing from Terry. That's just book of Proverbs. Like, sure. It is, is what it is. I think that living in, in community over competition um, is what opens up the door to some really incredible things. In fact, I think of the best opportunities that I've ever had in life. It's all come from just being in a position of loving people well and somebody expressing love to me by way of opportunity connected to that is yet another thing for me. I think that there's like this, you know, people want to be self-made, you know, especially with just social media culture and like, you got to call yourself a CEO and you know, hashtag (laughs) boss moves. And it's like, is anybody ever really self-made? I know I'm not, you know, I'm not the most successful person you'll, you'll speak with, you know, there's people who know this principle better than me. And who have gotten a lot more success and they'll, they'll tell you all the more loudly that they didn't make themselves. But for me, as an anti-ego individual, I'm like, are you self-made or are you blessings made, opportunities made, support made? Because anything you ever founded had to be funded and yeah. supported. 
any idea you ever had that went from lines on paper to like a physical space where people can come and consume goods or services. Like people made the choice. Like I can support any business out here. I want to come to you. They had to trust you, believe in you. That does say something good about you. Like you're worthy of credit and honor, but man, you ain't make this yourself. If I were my only client, I would be um, (laughs) nowhere right now. Yeah. 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 I, I, there's so many things I wanted to add to that of mentor made, parent made, we go. Yes. <laughs> caregiver made, whatever it was, yeah. like people fed you at a bare minimum. Like you, you were not, yeah, there, there's so many things that lead up to success uh, that, that it's impossible to keep track of it. And I think, yeah, having that, uh, that posture of gratitude makes a really big difference in how you carry that. There's this thing that has been bouncing around my head. And I feel like I, whenever I get, it in my head for these episodes, it ends up pingling the next 10 episodes. But is this idea that like the more confident you are, the more willing to be ignorant you are. And Mm, like that was true with my real estate businesses. Like when I started out, I didn't know anything and I didn't want anyone to know I didn't know anything. It was Mm -hmm. true that I didn't know anything, but I certainly didn't want anybody to know that. (laughs) You didn't want to communicate a sign of weakness. Yeah. And somebody who's thinking competition over communities, like, ah, that's it. I can, I can get this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And, and feeling like, yeah, that it's, that I sink or swim and, and so many of the clients that I started with it were so kind and they knew I didn't know everything. And so as soon as I could put that down, like, okay, no one cares and no one is believing this lie anyway. So like, let's just sit that I'll be like, Hey, I don't know, but I'll go find the answer. And yeah. I will, I will say that until I get the answer. And I'll say that to every problem that I run across, I'm not going to lie to you. And then realizing that, Oh, that's a strength that that is actually something that people will hire me for. So do you just shoot them straight? And be like, you know what? I don't know. But let's go find out uh, that that is such a big deal. And that the more confident that I've gotten and be like, actually, I know a lot about this now and I can save you tens of thousands of dollars and I can make sure you don't get sued and all of this stuff and wholeheartedly and very easily be like, you know what? That's not my kind of deal. I don't know how that works. I can either go find the answers or better yet, let me go find you somebody who is going to take great care of you and that'll be good for you. Uh, I think – I, I'm on board with all of that. I think letting go of ego as much as you can. I, it's a constant battle. We all have that flare up in us and there's this need to to prove ourselves. And um, But I think remaining grateful, we're keeping the bigger picture in mind to say, oh, okay, I got here with a, a lot of help and I'm going to need more help in the future and that's okay. That's a, that's a good thing. I, I take you as a pretty optimistic guy. It seems yep. seems like you got a lot of energy. I think rivaling that of my own optimism, which I can appreciate. So I think you and I could probably get on this train of being like, you're awesome. No, you're awesome. Like, oh, it's just great. I, I know that, I mean, Luke in the last episode said that he was like, he can't see me carrying any kind of anxiety because I'm just comfortable in my skin. And I was like, yeah, sure. I'm wired. I'm an extrovert. I get that's what I put out there. But also, like, I certainly deal with sadness. I certainly deal with uh, seasons and like seasons of struggle, seasons of uh, lack of motivation and seasons of depression and anxiety and all of that. All Um, a piece of the human process. Absolutely. And it's just it's all there. And I try to be authentic with that. I try to show people that, but also like, you know, it, it, it is what it is. But I would love to hear. You you were you acknowledged that y'all had stress that we all are building these businesses. You face stress. So 
you deal with hard days too, despite all of the optimism that we're getting here. How do you handle that? What does that look like for you? I think to peel back the curtain a little bit so that people can see like, okay, yeah, he's, he's like me. Huh, absolutely. And I think that like you alluded to there with the Luke story, like people would look at me and be like, what? Yeah. You get frustrated. Like you have like <laughs> bad days. Like you, you've been mad at somebody before. Like this is unreal. Like, I mean, it's, it's interesting. Um, and I'll be totally transparent. Part of that, like really comes off as annoying to me. That's the thing. That's the trigger. That's the yeah. thing. People could p- keep pushing that button. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> it's like, well, you're about to see it. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, why, why would you put me on a pedestal or assume? And it's very, the intention is great. Mm-hmm. People are seeing the best parts of us and they're essentially communicating um, that they find that to be honorable. And I appreciate the compliment that is intended with it. However, I am absolutely 100% human. I'm comfortable in my humanity. I have humility attached to my humanity. And um, I've made it, a point to just be more honest and, and intentional in uh, engaging in conversations around vulnerability and like just sharing like what a bad day looks like for me. Right. Because people know me for my smile. Uh, it is a fact that my mindset kind of by default uh, tips to optimism, you know, like it's like, is the glass half full or half empty? I'm like, Oh, I don't know. It might be 55% full, a little <laughs> bit more than half. Yeah. You know, matter of fact, like if you need it full, like just let me know, I'll go get you some more water. Like it's all good, bro. I'm down. What else can I do for you? You know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, anxiety, depression, these are things that humans deal with. Um, I think that a lot of people in, um, chronically optimistic spaces kind of have failed to acknowledge it. You know, speaking as a person of faith, I feel like the church has failed to acknowledge it for a long time. And I'm grateful that there's a new kind of conversation happening uh, where people are saying, let's normalize this. Let's take the stigma off of it. Like mental health matters. It's a real thing. And I think that we're one generation removed from people feeling like if you go to therapy, it means that you're broken and unfixable. And this is like a last ditch effort, right? Um, I think that people thought uh, in our parents' generation that if you go to marriage counseling, that means you were like on the brink of divorce and your relationship has yeah. failed and you're like, yeah, that's really trying to save it. Right. Whereas uh, me and my wife, we're like happy. Uh, we just celebrated nine years and this is like a real, like, like a genuine sweet spot in our marriage. We're genuinely best friends and it's also true of us that we go to marriage counseling and we yeah. enjoy it. Like, yeah. I think that if there's anything in life that you want to be good at, you better get a coach, mm. right? The league is all about, you want to get fit? Great. I'll be your coach, right? <laughs> you know, and yeah. if you want a degree, you got to go to college and get a professor. I think that um, this is the same thing with all this, but um, to really get back to the heart of your question, I think that um, it's healthy for anybody who, uh, has known me or heard of me or has viewed me as a chronically happy person to know that anything in my life that you've seen that's worthy of celebrating has had hardship that fed into that celebration. Mm-hmm. Oh, you guys are franchising the league. You're going to go multi-site. That's awesome. That's big, right? Okay. Well, imagine being a gym owner. I don't even have to like get super creative with how I explain this. Just like straight up, you, you all saw it happen. <laughs> Pandemic hits and the government says, Every gym in the United States of America, you are effectively closed as of today. And we have no promises as to when you can reopen. Yeah. 
imagine what that felt like, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or also just navigating the summer of 2020, being an African-American male and, you know, the storylines that we're seeing in the news and my goodness, you know, like there's been a lot of things that um, I've navigated throughout the course of my life that have challenged mental health or have uh, made me like really take a step back and, and say, let me take care of myself right now. Right. Uh, but it wasn't until last year that I really took inventory and made a decision to like call things what they are. Mm. Even an optimistic person can experience depression. Right. Yeah. And uh, I think that an optimist isn't a person that never has bad days. This will help somebody who maybe isn't innately an optimist and thinks that optimists have like a cheat code in life. <laughs> Optimists are not people who never have bad days. Optimists are people who have bad days and are honest and real about them and own the parts that suck and yet still choose to believe that tomorrow will be a better day. And so sometimes today, sometimes that season, sometimes that temporary place of uh, depression or uh, ailing in mental health uh, can last for a long time. But an optimist is a person that says, you know what, I'll duke it out here for as long as I have to and try to still honor my responsibilities and show up as my best self. And I believe that some kind of way I'm going to get out of this thing and I'm going to win. Yeah. Yeah. When, when my wife and I moved to Houston, um, you know, I was, I was raised in DFW. So I was raised to hate this city. And one of these (laughs) days I'm going to make a video that is my love letter to Houston and, and it, and confesses my baggage, but also just declares that I love this city and I'm a part of this city. And that in many ways I've, had been Houston made and, you know, and we moved here though in the first, gosh, six months, year, maybe 18 months was just like some of the hardest season of our marriage. Um, I had left a dream job up in Denver, working for a church, getting to do everything I wanted to do up in Denver. Uh, and it was Denver (laughs) and and I moved here and Houston and just say 2014 Houston, wasn't as cool as 2021 Houston. It's gotten better. And like, it just is, it's improving and that's great. But, uh, I, we were just, man, it was just a really, really hard season. And, and, uh, shout out to Bob Sutton, who was a previous guest on this show, who, uh, at that time in that season was like, yeah, man, sometimes these seasons last for like six months at a time or more. And like, just validated that for me in the middle of it. But I remember in that season, Jess and I, I think it's like a Saturday. We just like went out, just like ran some errands, got some lunch, hung out a little bit. And uh, we were driving back to the house. We were living with my in-laws. So like they're wonderful, but also like adds layers to this situation. Mm-hmm. And in the midst of all that, I was like, hey, like today was a good day. And I just think that we need to note that because yeah. I think that we've got more hard days ahead of us. And if we ever get to the point where we feel like there are no good days, let's just remember this day and remember wow. that there will be more good days. Should yeah. we live long enough to see them that, that at some point the sun will rise and as dark as this night may feel like we'll do it. So, which is, I, I thought that that was like, cause what I actually had said to her, I was like, listen, like if we live long enough, we're going to see divorce, not maybe, hopefully not our divorce, but we'll see divorce among our loved ones, which has proven true already. Uh, and then, so that was 2014 to 2021. We will see death of family members, of loved ones, of yeah. friends. We've seen that come true in that time. Uh, we will see financial hardship. We will see illness. We will see all of these things 
that's just a fact of life. The longer we live, the more of that we're going to see. So let's remember that there are good days. And that's like the best I could have summed up like, hey, this is how my optimism works is like, yeah, they're they're like this sucks. And I actually don't know when this will get better. I just have this innate belief in me that like it will get better. Yeah. One day. And then again, it's a person of faith saying like either here or one day to come. And um, I I, yeah, I, I, I love that. And it's not to diminish the struggle by any means. Um, I've had, like, I've seen multiple therapists, mostly to teach me how to struggle, (laughs) how to not just like blind myself and continue to distract myself from hardship and pain, how to, how to struggle. Yeah, man. I, I, there was a breakthrough this like two years ago in the middle of my business. And, uh, I like came into my therapy appointment is like, yeah, I was really overwhelmed today. So I like laid down on my office floor with my like face in the carpet and kind of just like fell asleep for 15 minutes. And then I woke up and I felt a little bit better. And my therapist was like, basically stood up and applauded me. He was like, you did it. You like, you, awesome. you like that's what it was. <laughs> you felt a feeling. And yeah. in that moment, you like laid there and you felt overwhelmed and you felt it. You didn't like go play in video games or go uh-huh. s- tell somebody you're going to start a new business or go research 20 new th- ideas. And, uh, and I, man, so I appreciate you sharing all of that. Um, I, 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 I assumed that it was true that you've done a lot of that hard work and it is that hard work that lays the, the foundation for, uh, that is really the fertilizer in the soil for the growth that it's through the hardship that we are grown, that we struggle and we, we, we grow beyond those things and are able to produce a lot of fruit. Uh, I don't want to take up too much time and man, I really, I think I could talk to you for six hours about all this stuff, but, um, <laughs> back in the day you mentioned, uh, Back in the day, you were working at a gym before you got your certification. You were running towels down to the basement, dreaming oh, yeah. of being a trainer one day. Um, for people who are in that spot, right? Maybe it's in the, the personal trainer world because that's where this kind of opened all these doors to you. Um, what were the misconceptions that that version of Terry had? What did you? What were you dreaming of that you were like, you could have let go of that? <laughs> and uh what were the what were the things that he got right there was like that chase more of that oh man such a good question i think that the world seemed bigger than it was when i had first gotten my my first gym at a, my first job at a gym when i was running towels to the basement doing laundry service answering the phones like hustling memberships and doing sales which i hate sales by the way yeah <laughs> everything about um sales connected to anything that i'm associated with got better when i decided i'm not focusing on sales yeah just being good to people so maybe there's a misconception there too I, I thought that sales was like the most valuable thing ever which i know is debatable for me it sure. is not and yeah. they come when you're just good to people mm-hmm. um i know that that can maybe not be as helpful for some um but for me, that is a very true lived experience. Uh, the world seemed bigger because I had aspiration from the outside about getting on the inside. And I just wanted to train regular, average, everyday people. And I was told that I couldn't. I was on a probationary period. I needed to take this other exam and do this other thing and do this internship. So in that waiting period, I'm running musty gym gear <laughs> from this like top dollar private fitness club down to this basement, which like 
there are very few places in Houston that even have basements. That shows you like how low I would do. <laughs> That's true. Um, yeah. Below sea level, literally. Oh, yeah. Man. So I had this idea that just to train somebody would be like, man, I'm over the moon, large and in charge, that kind of deal. Um, you know, you fast forward to, you know, now being in a position of training professional athletes, like one of my guys, he's a, a top 10 UFC contender and he doesn't even go to the gym. He lives near us and he literally just comes to my home and I've modded my garage out and it's a gym. And it's like, this is freaking crazy. So I work with one of the best athletes in the world right here at the crib. I can do it in my flip flops. Yeah. And by the way, we're not just training, but we're also like having great conversations about the funny little things our kids are doing, like mm. dream scenario. Right. Um, I think that uh, misconceptions, like I said, the world seemed bigger than it actually was. I think another misconception would be that um, there comes a point where it's no longer work. Um, I dislike the cliches like live a life you never want to take a vacation from or do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. And I do honor the heart that those things come from and that it meant something to somebody at some time. If it means something to you, then lean into that. Like if that serves you, awesome. For me, I can do what I absolutely love and I still want to take time off for myself. I still want to have a vacation and I still got to know if I'm living the God dream for my life and I'm connected to my purpose and I'm impacting other people, it's still going to feel like work sometimes, you know, and and I'm okay with that. So I think on the misconception side, there's that now on the side of like, what did I know then or feel a hunch on then that turned out to be right later, man, it would, it would just be like, um, one of my favorite, one of my favorite excerpts from scripture is, do you see a man skilled in his work? He'll perform before kings and not obscure men. Uh, I hung on to that. And I really had a belief like with no ego attached to it. No, let me prove some hater wrong. None of that. Just I knew in my heart, man, I'm, I'm made, I'm built, I'm purposed, I'm designed to do this at a level of greatness, not average, not mediocre, but like greatness and one example that comes to mind uh, from recently was when I first started, um, Jay Mack, who's like a prominent radio personality in Houston, was a client at a gym that I was at. And this was like cowboy days. And <laughs> I remember seeing Jay Mack and like hearing him talk one day and I had never seen his face. I just heard him on radio. Yeah. I'm like, whoa, I could tell from your voice. You're Jay Mack. I grew up listening to 97.9 in the backseat of my mom's car and I used to listen to you on the radio, uh, the morning show every day. Da, 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 da. And it was crazy just to be in the same like gym as him. And he, you know, yeah. he was cool enough to talk to a towel boy. Right. But then a couple of weeks ago, I actually got invited to come on to 97.9 The Box's morning show, which is crazy. I'm not a radio guy. Yeah. I'm like this fitness and ministry and mindset guy. Yeah. For whatever reason, their director of programming was like, hey, we think you got something to say. We want to have you on the morning show. So there was sitting next to J-Mac in studio live on air. And he is telling me my own story of my journey from remembering those days. And that I think is a reflection of something that I had a hunch on and knew was going to be true and seeing it play out. Like hearing J-Mac speak to inside of a story he was telling, like weaving in this analogy to my story and like, yeah, man. And Terry was starting off here and there and his wife was up to this and that. And then they built this together. And then it branched out to such and such and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this is crazy. Right. Yeah. Um, so for anybody who is in the towel boy phase, just know, man, you, you can start in the basement, but you end up in the tallest of skyscrapers. Yeah. And you just stick it out. 
uh, embrace the suck. Never lie to yourself about what sucks. I wish yeah. I had done that differently because in my um, stone cold optimism, yeah. I used to misdirect it and just, oh, believing for the best means I always believe that I'm at my best, which I now understand to be a very unhealthy mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, but always owning what's not going right and refusing to believe that it won't someday go right. Uh, an incredible book um, that talks about that is It Takes What It Takes. Mm-hmm. It's written by Trevor Moad. Okay. Um, it takes what it takes. He talks about neutral thinking. So if you sell out to negative thinking, you're doomed. You're not going to win. It's mm. fact. Like 101% of the time, mm-hmm. if you think it ain't going to work, it ain't going to work. Yeah. Then he also posits that if you sell out naively to positive thinking, you're walking yourself into just getting smacked in the face by circumstance. <laughs> Believe for the best, but yep. don't let that be. Ah, it's whatever. I'm not, I'm not going to put any effort into that. I'm just going to assume it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You're going to walk yourself into a cheese grater. But if you have neutral thinking, meaning you can own the bad and still believe for the good, the odds are, and like the crazy odds, like we're talking like a high percentage of success, like the odds are you're going to win. He broke down when he did work with Nick Saban, the winningest mm-hmm. uh, college football coach of all time. He did work with Russell William, uh, Wilson, a Super Bowl champion. Uh, in those cases and many, many more cases, um, he basically worked with people who had tasted really terrible failure and came battling back against all odds. And the rest of the world is looking at it like, how did he do that? But then you interview that person. They're just like, yeah, I knew. Mm. I knew. Yeah. I had made a mistake. I had, I had ruined us. We were facing some setbacks. And yet still, I knew. We're going to figure it out. And that mindset gets you through brick walls. Man. That what an encouragement and the idea of uh, right the skilled man like that you apply yourself learn your craft right you, mediocrity is just is will get you nowhere it's not yeah. gonna like so you have that it's like yeah well learn your skill get great at it and keep working and the your ability to be with J Mac as a towelboy and then to be on the radio show is really evidence I think of your willingness to do the work. Maintain some of that neutral mindset. Again, rhythms probably bounces back and forth. There are days when you're like, ah, this is, it's over. They're like, we're done. And then other days where you're like, I'm the king of the world. Yeah. And like, we just try to stay in the middle. <laughs> like just live yeah. here and it's somewhere in between. And while you're in that in-between place, apply yourself, learn as much as you can, get as good as you can. And yeah, and the doors will open and it'll be fine. Well, man, thank you for for taking the time and and sharing so much of that. Um, yeah, I hope I hope that we get to have another conversation like this soon and and get to hang out outside the show. But um, yeah, man, uh, where can people find you to join for all the things that you do? <laughs> I'm an easy man to find. Holler at me on Instagram. It's Terry the Trainer. Real simple. There's no underscores of punctuation. It's just at Terry the Trainer. Uh, if you do. Uh, shoot me a DM, holler at me, say what's up because uh, we're instantly best friends. Like we're, we're, we're friends that feel like family and I insist on that. So I want to authentically connect and engage with people. I'm not trying to be an influencer. Sure. I'm not trying to connect, uh, collect quote unquote followers. I do friends and family, not followers. So let's like connect and engage and just have a fire conversation. Well, I, I think after this, they absolutely will. And uh, hopefully some people will come to, get right and get better in all the different ways that they can and uh, man you're an inspiration and uh, look forward to getting to do more stuff with you in the future appreciate it man likewise thanks man 
A huge thank you to Terry and to you for listening to this episode of Houston Made. If you made it this far, I don't know how you can't be inspired to get up and get out there and do something great. I absolutely needed to hear some of the encouragement that Terry shared. So if you haven't done so already, go follow Terry on Instagram at Terry the Trainer, just as he said. And even if you don't need a new gym or feel the need for personal coaching, go follow him and keep an eye on all the things that he's doing. I think it's a masterclass in dedication and in growing with grace. If this is your first time listening to Houston Made, I'd absolutely recommend that you go check out some of our other episodes with guests from all kinds of industries, ranging from market hosts to home good designers, leather workers to personal electric vehicle rentals. If you're interested in connecting further, you can find me on Instagram at Rusty J Gates or the show at Houston Made Podcast. I really am trying to figure out a good way for us to connect as a group. So find me, drop me a message, maybe we'll figure it out. Houston Made is hosted by me, Rusty Gates, produced and edited in collaboration with Luke Bronner. Our artwork was designed by Stephanie Leal and Sarah Alwegfi in collaboration with Mac Ryan Creative. Credit for our theme music goes to old friends, new friends. Houston Made is glad to be a part of the Milieu Media neighborhood of podcasts and storytellers. We are people who care deeply about human connection. And in our neighborhood, we find that connection by hearing and appreciating one another's stories and by sharing our own. To find more shows made by amazing storytellers from all kinds of backgrounds, visit milieumedia.com. <laughs>